0: Welcome to the White Sparrow Media
1: Internet Broadcast Network.
2: You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
3: Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 265 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is going to be the very last recording of Linux in the Shack for 2018. And then we'll uh, take a little break and come back early next year. So tonight we are going to do, I guess what we're calling a 2018 recap slash round table and live Q and a session. And to that end, we have Several people joining us tonight, but we'll start off with us. I'm Russ K5TUX.
4: I'm Cheryl W5MOO.
5: And I'm Bill NE4RD.
3: And with us, I don't know how well this is going to work, but we'll give it a shot. I'll just, I'll go through everybody and they can all say hello or whatnot. You know, start with Discord and we'll start with Hutch K9KJN.
1: Hi everyone. This is Hutch K9KJN in beautiful downtown Mooresville, Indiana
3: all right fantastic you're actually downtown mooresville you're not out at the cabin uh,
1: no i'm at uh, i drove back from uh, gosport uh, just to do this
3: oh okay well thank you for doing that so we also have one of the dons kb2ysi
6: good evening all Don kb2ysi uh in hamilton New- all right fantastic and then we have another don kc9 zmy
7: Hi there, Don KC9ZMY from Scenic Downtown Chicago.
3: Ooh, Scenic Downtown Chicago, where it's not snowing right now. At least I don't think so. No,
7: it's not snowing. No, (laughs) it's not snowing. It actually was nice today. Whole 46 degrees.
3: Ah, very, very good. Uh, We also have from what has to be the furthest person away, uh, Gene BX8AAD, all the way from Taiwan.
8: Yes, uh, good morning, I guess, but uh, good evening to you. And uh, from Taidong, Taiwan, here it's uh, close to 70 degrees and partly cloudy. Oh, good. So weather from the future. Thanks for that.
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We also have uh, Steve, KD0IJP.
9: Good evening, everybody. Uh, Steve, KD0IJP from just outside Wichita, Kansas
3: fantastic now you're probably the closest one into us because wichita is not very far at all so very good we have people from near and far uh we also have bill n3jix who's muted oh he's unmuted there we go <laughs> <laughs> i
10: had to click the button to make it go away it's amazing how that works hey it's bill n3jx from the back mountains of central pennsylvania
3: all right good very good so we have a lot of I think I think our transmission only goes eastward from here, except for Steve. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but thank you all for being a part of the show tonight, and you're welcome to jump in and uh comment on anything you want or bring up any topics because this is going to be a Q&A as well as a twenty eighteen sort of discussion roundup or just general chat for tonight. Um we don't really have a structure. There's there's literally nothing in the etherpad, so we're gonna kinda let this uh, be as organic as humanly possible. Uh, we do have a couple of things we'd like to touch on, which would be a, a story or some event or some interesting thing from 2018 that you recall that is of interest to Linux in the ham Shack, or maybe even not just something you think is interesting that we can uh, round up 2018 with. And also some potential p- predictions for 2019, whether they be technology related or something else. Uh, might be interesting to see what we all think of the future coming up. So with that, I'm gonna stop talking for a minute. I'm gonna let Bill see if he can uh, corral this mangy crew for a few minutes while Cheryl and I try and fire down the rest of our dinners. So, Bill,
5: oh, that's for me. Yeah, I that's gotta fill back Liz up here. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think
3: we're gonna yeah. stick N3JIX with that task just yet. <laughs> <laughs> next, um, month. okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe next time around. Uh, but let's see if you can keep this interesting for a few minutes.
5: Okay, well, I'll share with you uh, one thing I received uh, from uh, our, our our great fun in Dayton, <laughs> which uh, you know we love going to Dayton every year, and we appreciate all uh, all our listeners helping us uh, get there and get back and eat well and everything else. So um, I uh, I just got a Christmas card from uh, a gentleman uh, who uh, who stopped by the booth and I uh, gave him some help with some stuff on his uh, setup and uh, have been following up with emails and stuff like that over the past few months. And uh, I'll just go ahead and read the the Christmas card from him. And this is from Roy, K-8-R-W-H. Bill, thank you very much. Your patience with me as I strive to become knowledgeable and hopefully somewhat facile with Linux. I'm uh, enjoying learning, and your aid at Xenia Hamvention was invaluable. M-H-U-X-D appears to be just what I needed to integrate Linux Mint 19 with uh, my microham ham digi key or two. And ICOM 746 Pro with FL Digi. Very steep learning curves, but I'm attempting to climb. Blessings to you and yours and all of its wonderful celebration of the Lord's human birth. Uh, May your 2019 be even better than your 2018. And that's from uh, Roy. And uh, thank you very much, Roy, for the Christmas card. That was very sweet. And uh, anything we can do to continue to help uh, people out with uh, getting Linux running fine on their machines is great. (laughs) Um, What else did I get? I got something else here. I was setting it aside, but, um, but I don't have, I don't have it readily available here. I'll just have to dig that up later. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's just start going around the room and, uh, seeing if anybody has a, an interesting, uh, interesting, uh, 2018 ham radio or Linux story they would like to share. And, uh, let's start over there and, uh, in, uh, Uh, discord or somebody can just raise their hand and go ahead and start talking (laughs) Are we going to be able to see it if
3: they do that's the thing i'm worried about exactly (laughs) Uh, and and also if you if you want to chime in we can go around the the circle again if we want but i'd be interested to know like where everybody is in their amateur radio career and their linux career like are we just starting out are we gurus and gods and and things or um stuff like that you can throw that in as well i'd be interested to hear i know that information from some of the folks who are in the chats but definitely not from others
10: i I can i can hit that one first all right excellent um i used to get christmas cards from dmr when he was still alive that's a joke by the way (laughs) well it went over my head (laughs) uh M. richie dmr oh oh gotcha gotcha. oh i believe that one i thought that one was going to work with this crew
3: uh i'm sorry my my brain has been elsewhere for the past couple of weeks i've got a lot of projects coming up at work and that i'm trying to get nailed down before the end of the or actually before the start of my christmas holiday and i know bill was actually doing a release tonight so did that actually go through bill
5: i'm still doing the testing right now still doing it he's he's (laughs) working
10: as we speak um anyway um linux wise this is bill and three jacks by the way um, don't mention releases. Thanks, Don. Um, I think I installed, I don't know, Red Hat 2 or 3 when it first came out. Let's, it's been a while, let's say, and I got my, um, Red Hat Certified Engineer work stuff back on, I don't know, 2000 or 2001. Once again, it's been been a while. So, it's, it's what I do at the day job up until recently where I'm doing InfoSec stuff now.
3: So you started out, do you still consider yourself uh, in the Red Hat realm? I mean, do you, do you focus on that sort of distribution?
10: Uh, absolutely. I have Red Hat Enterprise 8 loaded up on a VM, making sure that the web servers and the code and stuff is going to work on it when we get, get to that point. So, yeah, I st- I'm still unfortunately deeply involved in that part, too.
3: And what about your amateur radio career? How long have you had the ticket and all of that?
10: I am one of the class of 1991 hams that's what 27 years at this point so i think i'm cutting out
3: um it sounds pretty good here It's there's a little bit of
10: dropout but i mean it's not too bad yeah okay so anyway so yeah 27 years um got my tech in 91 i got my tech plus in 98 me and everyone else in the nineties upgraded to extra on April 15th, 2000. <laughs> so, <laughs> cause you only needed your five. So, um, huge, huge surge that year. Um, so yeah, it's been a, been a while. Well, that's good. Um, I was in the
3: class of 92 myself and I didn't upgrade till extra to extra, uh, until last year. So, or two years ago, two years ago. That's right. So <laughs> I waited a good long time.
10: Yeah you enjoyed everything that, that's available because there is a whole bunch of stuff available above 50 megahertz.
3: That's true. But well, that was a general immediately. I mean, I, I went from, I went from tech to tech plus to general all within like a month.
10: So that probably is the better way to do it just because the, you know, back then you had to have the 13 words per minute. The jump from five to 13 uh, wasn't as bad as 13 to 20 for some yep. reason. That's exactly like plat- right. There's like a plateau there around 14:15 words per minute. And uh, you know, looking back on it now, it's like if something like CW Ops existed back then, it would have been worth paying the money to do the long distance phone calls to get that done.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why the 13 to 20 jump was why it took me 25 years to get it done. Um, all right. So, anybody else want to address any of those topics uh at random before we start pointing people out? <laughs>
1: Well uh this is Hutch can I uh jump you, in here? You May. Um yeah the um the morse code thing uh I was determined to teach myself morse code this year and uh, I just can't do it. I don't know why I have such a problem with that. Uh I have much respect for anyone who uh who does CW and uh I don't know my brain isn't wired for that. So uh God bless everyone that can do that and uh, I'll just be one of those uh those non-code
3: hams. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that we went that way, right? Or you wouldn't be a ham at all?
1: <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a good thing. Uh, uh, but uh, maybe maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution to try uh, for, for next year. At least five words a minute. I mean, gee whiz, I should be able to do that.
3: I'll have to give you extra props for at least wanting to try it and be somewhat proficient in it without the the... Onus of actually having to know it so you know that's pretty good that that even though you you don't feel like you can do it you you're trying to
4: i would like to learn as well
3: you would like to learn as well you're gonna hate it
4: i know i'm gonna hate <laughs> it and it's probably going to be difficult since i'm deaf in one ear but
3: well you only need one ear to hear the did and well, does no, so i know but <laughs> just make sure that the headphones are on the good ear <laughs> on the good ear right yeah, I know, so uh <laughs>
7: All right. Anybody? and I got to say that code thing is, is bare. I've been trying for two years to learn the code and 20 minutes uh, every day on the train with like Morse machine on my phone and I'm barely proficient at five words a minute. It seems there's a mental block or maybe it's dyslexia. Is there audio dyslexia? Because I get those B's and V's and sixes and fours all twisted up. Oh well, man, I there can't is. seem to break it. So I'm trying. It was kind of my goal for this year to make one CW QSO, but I'm not gonna make it. I can't do it anyhow.
3: Well, it's an interesting thing about that. If you're trying to make a contact with somebody, they always say, especially on like a CW net or something, that the people will slow down to your ascending speed, but I found that that's not really the case. Um They'll slow down as slow as they think is slow, but if they're used to sending thirty words a minute, then fifteen seems slow. So, <laughs> so if you're stuck at five, there's no way it's happening. And even well, I, there,
7: there is the slow code net, and I've listened into that, but I don't think I could key at that speed right now. So
3: well how you send is kind of irrelevant it's it's uh more how how able you are to receive because you can send as slow as you want you might annoy some people but you know hey too bad um you know it's, it's just picking it up on the receive side and i can understand especially if people aren't real good about their spacing um because you know two like two eyes or what is it you know Two eyes can be an H if there's the spacing isn't right, and so on. So yeah, I can understand. I don't know if there's something called audio dyslexia, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Things can blur together very easily and sound like something else.
1: I think too that uh, the fact that I have no rhythm whatsoever, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't dance, and uh, I can't jump very high. So I think all those things are are. Uh, I, I think that's a surmountable
3: that's a surmountable challenge because i think all of us in this chat are white males and since we all have no rhythm um it's possible to actually you know get get over that hump
4: hey you haven't seen bill disco moves
3: every, yeah i don't know what you're talking about bill. man <laughs> why is there no video of this his wife
4: has it, it it's like oh,
0: locked
4: okay. down. yeah <laughs> That
0: all was right.
1: the uh, Seinfeld episode with Elaine Bennis dancing.
0: Remember uh-huh. that? And then, yeah, she's I
1: remember.
4: A it. Dancer, right?
3: Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I have two left feet, and one of them is broken. So, uh-huh. Ouch. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyone else want to chime in on Morse code? Who, who here is like really proficient at Morse code? Would it blow us all away with there's code skills.
8: Uh, good. this is no gene B-X-A-A-D. i'm certainly not really very proficient but start start learning until when i had got my license here i had to get five words per minute and uh i think i i'm kind of stuck at around 12 words per minute uh and sometimes my copying isn't as proficient as that even but i have a almost weekly qso with a friend in japan And we both send fairly slowly to one another. I think that's a good way to learn is to uh, find somebody else who's roughly at your own level and then practice with one another.
3: Yeah, that absolutely is. It's like learning any language, including CW, if you're actually practicing it rather than just listening to repetitive things on tapes or, or stuff like that. If you're actually forced to immerse yourself in the language, then it tends to register better as we know the older you get the less ability we have to retain new information so starting at an older age will will make it harder for sure so i know the folks who get into the hobby earlier probably are better at morse code um because it's easier to learn
10: yeah echo yeah. on there that dan kb 6 nu gave me similar advice about finding somebody who's you know you're about the same and then just Schedule QSOs with them just so you both can practice.
3: Yep, and it's like anything else; you have to keep practicing it. If you if you do it, you know, today and then wait a month and then try and do it again, you you might as well be starting over. Yeah, that consistency yeah, is very point. helpful.
8: Like with daily yeah, practice. Point.
3: All right. So, anybody else want to contribute to the uh, where I am in the Linux world and where I am in the amateur radio world? I haven't heard a lot of Linux talk. I mean, heard a lot of amateur radio, but where is everybody with their Linux skills? I know Jack. Can I jump in? <laughs> Bill,
1: you don't know Jack. Uh, can you, I jump you, in you here for Jack. a second? You sure can. Uh I was going to say that um, it seems like <clears throat> my Raspberry Pis are breeding, and uh, they're like tribbles on Star Trek. I had one, and now I have a whole box full of them. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do with, with all these uh, Raspberry Pis? So I've been uh, uh, using them to uh, install a NAS and uh, a media service in the, at the log cabin. So I'm running uh open media vault on a, on a Pi and a four terabyte hard drive. And then I've retrofitted all the TVs in, in the log cabin. There are three TVs in there up on the walls and, and I retrofitted those with the raspberry Pis. So they're all talking to each other and I'm able to control my, uh, my log cabin for my phone so I can watch movies. And because of the internet out there is pretty bad, uh, barely have internet. It's uh, if it rains or, Weather's is bad, uh, it goes out, it's a satellite, and it's just horrible. So uh, I've been using uh, Linux uh, to, to sort of make my dumb log cabin to a smart one. So that's been my project over the last year.
0: Right,
3: fantastic. Perfect use for Raspberry Pi. Media servers is one of the things that was addressed early on in the single-board computer world because they make great STBs and uh, storage headends and things like that. So they're well-suited to the media world.
1: It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing it, so uh, uh, that that's been
9: my my
1: Linux this year.
3: All right. very good. What else are people doing with Linux these days or or just open source in general, even if it's not Linux specifically?
9: Well, sort of on a similar topic, I'm in the process of uh, trying to set up a free nas uh, nas, and I'm having a little bit of hardware trouble right now, but uh, that's sort of an interesting project.
3: Yeah, I use FreeNAS, too. I used to use NAS for free, which is the BSD version of FreeNAS, and then switched over to FreeNAS, and that's a great product. Um, it runs on anything. It actually will run on certain NAS um, platforms as well. Um, I, I just use it as a PC-based uh, network attached storage, but there are some of the – I don't think Buffalo is one of them, but there's uh, there's several different uh, NAS devices that you can run FreeNAS on and that's a great piece of software. So, uh if you're looking to do network attack storage, you can do a lot worse than that and the price is right, you know, being free and all. Um so what else, anybody else doing anything cool with uh Linux these days? Uh, Bill Bill's going to talk about Jack, I'm sure, but
5: <clears throat> I'll let everybody else chime in first.
3: <laughs> I think Gene wanted to say something and I shouldn't talk
8: with my mouth full, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> well, I could I could say so. I'm working on a little uh python script just for myself to become more familiar with python Uh, my ultimate goal is to rewrite the chinese typing tutor program that i use uh, where i teach i wrote that originally in uh, pascal for dos and then visual basic for windows and i want to upgrade it for multi-platform using python so anyway to learn python i've been writing a program now that uh, is kind of a an interface for listening to uh internet radio stations so i've made it so i can pick either talk radio or music stations and different genres of music categories of talk or news and uh just work on it a little bit every day about 15 minutes to get it to where i i like what it is and it's helping me learn python uh very good python's a very powerful language um Interpreted language and
3: is considered by many very easy to use. It's also object oriented, so it can teach you things about object orientedness, which is nice. That's kinda of where programming languages are going these days. The ones that aren't a little more esoteric, but um that was that was sort of one of the big advancements in programming languages was transitioning from procedural style to object oriented. So very good. And and nice thing about Python is of course it's interpreted and cross platform. So all right. anybody else I want to talk about anything at all linux related or
8: amateur radio related well, I, to- this is again gene bx8aad i wanted to mention that uh one thing i've been doing uh you've given challenges every uh, few weeks and one of the things that caught my attention was the summits on the air and just in november taiwan started designating uh places as uh, soda summits and it was just uh inaugurated at the start of the month in november so i've uh gone to a few uh close to my home here and operated and uh for a while there i was uh the top activator in taiwan <laughs> but just because i got an early start and uh I've, I've enjoyed it it's uh it's a lot of fun it's good for my health and uh so i i you know i purchased that uh ft818 at hamvention and uh and that's been a great thing to take up there and it's it's a lot of fun uh the weather still hasn't gotten too cold so uh, uh it shouldn't be too bad for another few weeks uh, i've got another summit planned hopefully for tomorrow when my son is flying is already flown in he's coming down tomorrow and uh looking forward to that but one thing about the uh, morse code how that fits in uh, often it's difficult to make contacts uh, qrp even from the, such high elevations but uh, the CW does pull through better than a single sideband and uh, so it's opened up contacts for me that I couldn't have made otherwise so there's a value in learning CW well that's the
3: kind of thing you could you could grab a little raspberry Pi with a TFT screen attach it to that and bring a little keyer with you and you could operate like fd8 from a summit and uh, do digital mode from up there as well yeah, I've thought about that as well. So do you do you have a somewhere where you publish your activations, like Soda website or anything?
8: Yeah, on the, the Soda watch, uh, I do. If I'm planning to make a, a trip, I'll put that on there first. All right, so do you operate uh, 5 watts and under uh, exclusively? Yes, uh, on the Soda operations, just 5 watts. And uh, it's, I was amazed, though, how far 5 watts can go. Twice now I've contacted New Zealand from here using just five watts and that's that's quite a haul
3: that's outstanding what do you use for an antenna setup
8: Uh, i've got a uh a dipole uh that's a kind of a telescopic thing uh that uh, my friend that we practice cw with he sent it to me He, he uses the same one and uh so i i've got that figured out where the telescopic ends and the loading coils i can i know exactly how far to extend the elements to be in tune and and it works quite well i can either uh, you know throw a rope up into a tree and haul it up or i've had luck putting it on a camera tripod as well
3: oh very good i know bill you've done some
5: soda stuff too have you not no i've dreamed well okay i've done it once well twice actually (laughs) (laughs) i did it with uh mike crown over 85a over at um garden ground mountain in west virginia for the uh the national jamboree over there that was my first uh first taste of actually doing an activation and logging uh contacts and you know logging points into the system and stuff like that um and yeah i want to do it over here i do a lot of hiking over here in montana but uh uh i have yet to actually bring everything up with me (laughs) it uh it always seems like such a task to do that um (laughs) there are some easy ones to get to and uh this year i just didn't really get out to uh <clears throat> out to those easy spots i did do some hiking but uh no- nothing close to a peak unfortunately
10: i've done some soda summits as well here in pennsylvania um i th- the thing that i think that helped me the most is i just have a backpack set up and i just have to throw the kx3 in it and everything else is all ready to go um, i'm actually using the laptop that right now for uh, mumble that's the uh, linux machine i take on the summits i actually you know this one's called the soda bit laptop because right. it's usually in a soda bag
3: <clears throat> oh very good so bill you've got some people you can uh, other bill you got some things you can uh bounce off gene and they can get you uh set up so you can pack up on all those bald peaks in, in uh, montana and operate from
5: <laughs>
3: you do it while yeah. you're skiing too yeah
5: there you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'd much rather do the skiing right now <laughs> yeah my son was just skiing today he's also a ham but uh he didn't do any peaks
8: <laughs> the summits here are quite a bit different i'm sure than montana um i had to get uh rubber boots uh before the last trip so that uh, i wouldn't uh, be tempting any snake bites To come get me, and while we were, my wife and I were walking up there, we ran into some hunters, and and they told us they were hunting wild boar. And uh, we said, you know, what do we do if we see a wild boar? And they said, well, try to climb a tree. So it's uh There are some other challenges uh, out here in the wild. Bill is only
3: challenged by his lack of skiing expertise.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Now over here, you can run into bear, moose, and a bunch of other things that you don't really want to when you're hiking. Um, I've seen, I don't know, probably like a dozen bear in my time hiking up here. So uh, you do have to kind of avoid those. Generally, you won't see them towards the peaks and stuff like that. But, uh, on the way up and on the way back, you will. <laughs> so, uh, that's not really a concern though. I think the concern is carrying all of that plus water plus food <laughs> and stuff like that. Cause generally, you're talking about doing, uh, you know, anywhere from like a three to seven mile hike in to get up to the top of the mountain and of course you're looking at you know 3 to 4000 feet of uh elevation change i like the chairlift
3: myself that's that's kind of the cool part of skiing <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah they don't run this, they don't run those in the summer so uh, uh you know we don't have like uh i guess uh, some places some places do like downhill biking and stuff like that downhill mountain biking um yeah. but they don't do it here cuz uh, they uh, they have a lease with the uh, national forest so they can only operate from like April to, or whatever, from November to April. So uh, so yeah, they are not uh, they don't allow you to have access to the lifts and stuff like that over the summer.
3: And, and isn't there a thing where you have to actually physically walk at least like 100 vertical feet to the summit to consider it a soda activation or yeah, some, something there, like that?
5: There is yeah. a rule about you have to walk, uh, you know, I think it's like 80 feet or something like that. It's really minimal, but like, do you have to walk into the activation zone? You can't drive into the activation zone.
10: Right. That's the spirit of it. But the reality is, some of the summits, you know, have parking lots lots, on top of them.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So some guys will walk down out of the parking lot and walk back up so they can legitimize, you know, being there.
10: I I did that on one. I actually parked down the hill and and hiked the trail up, even though I could park where I sat at the picnic bench. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
5: it'd be nice to have, like, you know, real power and stuff like that, you know, run 100
10: watts up there. (laughs) (laughs) I I use batteries just because I didn't feel comfortable plugging into unknown power.
5: Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. So I have a, I have a little battery pack that would last me for a a hike and stuff like that. And and I have everything I need. I have, I I don't have an excuse anymore. So I I think, uh, I, I did buy an antenna this last time at Hamvention. So that was like the last piece of equipment that I wanted to get. And yeah, I got the rig, got everything else. And, uh, yeah, I just need the, uh, need to actually go and do it probably need to find a buddy to go do it with me but <laughs> we'll see how that goes
3: well don't you have a son who's also an amateur who hikes
5: yeah yeah but well, he's like uh he works and uh you know goes to college and stuff like that so <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh i'm more flexible in my uh, time, you know, stuff
3: well you could catch him during summer break that's probably a better time to be up on a mountaintop anyway
5: yeah quite possible so <clears throat> anyway um yeah. i'll be right back Okay, you do that.
3: So, anybody else have anything they want to discuss in the world of like what's going on in their Linux or amateur radio lives presently?
7: Well, what, one of the reasons for learning CW is I definitely want to go portable, and I want to be able to get out with that KX3 and actually throw a signal somewhere. But <laughs> you know, the CW brick wall is is in my way. I've got all the gear, but can't get out.
3: So, we shouldn't necessarily feel limited to CW operation, even Uh,
7: QRP. Right. I could try, I I have tried single sideband and done okay. And I have, um, I've used a Raspberry Pi and my um, Samsung tablet with a keyboard. You've gone VNC into the Raspberry Pi and then run uh, FT8 and uh, FL Digi. That way, that works quite well. You can use your signal link or, you know, whatever little sound card you got. And I've done that with the KX3. I've done that portable. That works. I did that for field day and got quite a ways with that. So, so what,
3: what digital modes did you operate that way, Did you say? Uh,
7: uh, PSK31. And huh. I, I, made a good 200, I made a good 200 contacts that way. I ran about, well, I wasn't really running QRP. I was running with uh, the 10 watts and then a Raspberry Pi and the uh, uh, Samsung tablet. And I went with that kind of configuration because it was all USB chargeable. It would all run on USB. And then I ran the, both the KX3 and all of that gear and a couple of uh, IKEA USB lights off of a Dyno power battery and that ran all night. I pretty well ran the full 24 hours on one one charge. So that oh. that was kind of cool. <clears throat>
3: yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. Nice low power operation.
7: Mhm. Yeah, it worked really well. Um, for for Linux this year, I haven't done as much Linux. Um I kind of live and breathe Linux in the day job but with uh Firewalls, load balancers, and all that cool crap that uh, sometimes I don't feel like fighting it when I get home. But uh, I did do a bunch of work this year for some classes I was taking on those uh, ESP-82s, ESP-8266s to um, do uh, uh, Python, and I ran Micro Python on those and normally I wouldn't have done that except I needed Python for a class. So, uh, I put the Micro Python on there and actually found it, a an almost workable solution. Um, you know, Python being interpreted and there's a couple of kits you can build and, uh, toolkits so that you can get a minimal web server on there and, uh, you know, do a little bit of JSON and MQTT, and suddenly you can get some pretty charts and graphs and stuff back somewhere, wherever it is, to a <laughs> Raspberry Pi. In fact, I used a Raspberry Pi to run the MQTT server, so I could pack it all up and take it down and show the professors how this all worked. So,
3: <clears throat> and I'll have to go back to something you said. There's, there's no fighting Linux. There's no fighting. It's, it's all, it's all
7: smooth and, and. That's hey, Easy. Smooth. There's there's no oh, issues. Oh yeah. There, there are never any are issues.
0: No issues. That's, that's right.
7: right. That's right. Until you try to compile something, you end up in dependency hell. Well that's that's an issue with the coder, not with Linux. <laughs> oh, that that's true, true. That's got nothing to do with Linux. No, no.
3: <laughs> we we won't so. talk we don't talk bad about Linux here.
7: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I live in Linux all the time, pretty well. So have for a long time. So anyhow,
3: is there is there anybody uh, here yeah. who is uh, part of this that does not use Linux on a daily basis? All right, well, well, I like use I Linux
7: said, all the time.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I use <laughs> Linux all the time. So uh, I'm I'm in it, and uh, I straddle between uh, Linux and uh, my Mac, and also I have to fight uh, some uh, Macs at uh, at work. Uh, we have a POS system. It seems like Apple is updating about every other day, and the p o s system is updating its software about every other day and every time there's an update everything breaks so i'm I'm in there trying to troubleshoot that and it's just uh, it's a royal pain so uh when I'm uh, working in Linux it just seems like it's uh, so much nicer than trying to deal with with uh, apple and and updates from my p o s system
3: see we have several p o s systems at our job and none of them are point of sale um. <laughs> gotcha
0: yeah, yeah, they the drum
3: effect. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the rim shot thing, I don't think. So, oh wait, wait, I do. You have a rim shot? There we go. Yep, I do.
1: <laughs> awesome.
3: I should have hit that a little bit sooner. I forgot the soundboard's even over here. <laughs> so anyway, of- let me try me try that again. So we have several POS systems at my job and none of them are point of sale. <laughs> <laughs> you cut it off. Yeah, I cut it off too. What happened there? Well,
1: yeah comedy is like all timing
3: you know why it's because this is a an ipad it's not running linux that's the issue
1: oh see there you go yeah it is a POS. it Thanks.
3: is <laughs> there, there you makes go. perfect sense all right <clears throat> so anyway what else do we got let's let's, let's shift into the open source and linux I heard a lot of amateur radio stuff and being that we're all hams here i i sort of get that but kind of kind of interested in does anybody have a something they recall from two thousand and eighteen that was sort of a high point of the open source world or a low point? I mean, there there were plenty.
10: O- open source wise, I was really shocked that Linus Linus took a break. Did well, he not have a little like mental uh,
1: not breakdown, but sort of sort of got an anger issue yeah, uh, in the way?
3: He, I think he cited a you know anger management issue as is the reason that he stepped away from linux for a little while i'm not sure that wasn't not his idea (laughs) um (laughs) i I think uh i think he said that he was stepping away i'm not sure that wasn't coerced who would do that to him well it's it's not like somebody could say hey you need to take a step back but you can certainly apply pressure and i think he was getting pressure from many sides and rather than Face that, it was easier for him to just say, Okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to, you know, analyze my, you know, <laughs> thoughts and actions and deeds and, uh, sort of rampant, um, you know, h- anger because you read all the stuff that he posts on mailing lists and stuff like that. And just the way he treats people in general, um, it's, it's not like this is an unknown problem. So, um, I think people were just starting to, to actually give him feedback that led him to think that maybe he should just, uh, chill for a bit. It wasn't right. a, wasn't a long chill either. No, it was well. a
9: short chill, but it was it was still noticeable. Well, that's the part that kind of surprised me that he came back actually as quickly as he did.
3: Yeah, I think his initial words kind of led in, led us all to believe that it would be rather uh, extended departure, uh, which turned out not to be that at all. So was it just show? Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know the mind of Linus Torvalds for sure, but I have my suspicions. Hmm
10: interesting i just hope he i just hope he got to do some scuba diving while he was off (laughs) wait does that need a (laughs) no he actually posts neat pictures he scuba dives when he travels internationally it's pretty neat
3: i haven't seen him do i haven't really heard about linus torvalds outside of his involvement with linux i mean i i don't follow that kind of news so that he does other interesting things is kind of neat of course i think we'd all like live in great places and visit cool places and scuba dive in cool places if we had, you know, more money and time and all that.
10: Yeah, exactly. Um the other one this year that really, you know, took me aback and gave me a little bit of anxiety is the the Red Hat IBM announcement.
7: Yeah, yeah. I got to agree with that. That's the big one for me is IBM taking over Red Hat. I don't know how that's going to work out. That's going to be a clash of cultures, I think. Yeah, both of those are relatively
3: recent stories in uh, 2018, too, at least to when we're recording this. So, uh, because I think the takeover of Red Hat was what, about six weeks ago, maybe? Um, Yeah, it was
7: about six weeks ago. Though it's interesting, Red Hat is kind of the dominant distribution for your Intel platform. If you're going to do like a data center Intel platform, you're pretty well going to run some variant of of red hat enterprise linux out there and i i wonder if you look amazon has recently brought out their arm uh processors and curiously the dominant distribution on that is some flavor of debian so i wonder if that isn't not only a play against uh intel but possibly a move against ibm because I, you know, the primary reason IBM's blogging for getting into Red Hat is uh, the whole cloud-based computing, which they're running really far behind on. They really don't have a play in that arena, and everybody else is leapfrogging them on the cloud-based computing.
10: That That's an interesting... I didn't know that about the, the ARM um, the Amazon ARM build. I, I didn't hear that one, that, but that makes a lot more sense now.
0: It's not that I don't
3: have anything to say about that. I'm actually trying to... I'm trying to actually quickly dig up some top stories from 2018 from other peoples. So maybe we can jog our memories because uh, 2018 was, it had a lot of interesting stuff going on in it. And I'm trying to find some of that stuff because <laughs> I know we talked about
1: what, it. A, what about Microsoft? Isn't Microsoft making a lot of uh, uh, things of theirs open source, or at least trying to make them open source or uh, moving in that
7: direction? They they, they have been for some time. They are leaning on that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in Windows yeah. 10, you can get that uh, Unix shell, which actually turns out to be kind of a good thing for me. It means I don't have to sneak Sigwin onto my machine and to actually get an environment I can use. Because Sigwin, of course, is kind of dodgy in the corporate environment. Nobody really wants to trust it. So at least with Windows 10, I can get a Ubuntu boot that looks... Kinda okay, even though I'm forced to live in a Windows environment. Plus, on their data centers, they're making Linux available. So, well, speaking
9: uh, speaking hey. of 2018 news and Microsoft, don't forget Microsoft now owns GitHub.
7: Yep,
3: that's, uh, was that was one that caused people to immediately run away from GitHub. Although I I don't see that anything has really changed over there.
5: Yeah, the numbers don't really support that in the in the big sense of how many projects and 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 repos they have.
10: <laughs> Some people did. didn't didn't you mention maybe earlier in the year Russ that uh Microsoft actually is one of the big contributors to, you know, Linux kernel in general? People, you know, at microsoft.com email addresses. I think that is
3: the case and that's not it's not exclusive to 2018. That's actually been for a few years now. But I think that measurement is based purely on lines of code. And I think the caveat to that, or the, the the grain of salt to put with that story, is that all of that code, or most of it, is to make things easier for Microsoft, not to support the open source community as a whole. Shockers.
5: So, <laughs> Self-serving? What are you so talking about? No,
7: <laughs> so they did... re. Um, uh, release a bunch of patents into the wild which uh, they were holding on to that that helps things a bit I don't know. yeah they
5: joined the alliance so uh, they share the patents now mm-hmm.
7: yeah that,
10: and that also speaking of patents is going to be interesting with the ibm thing uh with red hat because actually IBM's a huge holder of, of software concept patents that i still don't understand how they can get away with
3: well, no one's really sure how anyone's getting away with the direction that patent law is going, and how people are able to patent the things they patent. Because it's—I it's, think it was up until recently—the idea that something that is patentable is actually tangible, and now it's become con- conceptual patents. Or you can you can patent concepts now, and <clears throat> that that's been a big thing for software in general. Uh, the ability to patent the way
10: something works not something that does work
3: <laughs> um
10: keep samsung and apple lawyers incredibly busy incredibly well paid
3: <laughs> yeah i think that's the case for lawyers in general but yeah i mean corporate law i'm sure is a wonderful field to be in right now if you don't mind the hate and derision <laughs> luckily all these uh Pauses will be shrunk down to nothing, so it'll sound like this was all one (laughs) organic conversation. (laughs) Yeah, it'll sound like
5: nobody took any breaks and anything else. like Nobody
3: even stopped to breathe while we were doing this.
5: Can't
10: I can't imagine how long it takes you at this. (laughs) audacity
5: does it in seconds.
10: Yep it used to (laughs) it used to take a lot longer,
3: but now that I don't care anymore. Uh,
1: Do you have a coherence filter to make us all sound really intelligent?
3: No, actually you have your own built in coherency filters, which is wonderful.
10: Oh, so I don't have Martin to you know pick up my pieces and remove all the pops that I make as I talk. Oh good. <laughs> <laughs> actually everybody's sounding quite quite
3: nice tonight. So I, I don't have any issues with anybody's audio, which is great.
5: Yeah. Yeah, even the
3: Discord sounds good i'm not listening to the discord so i don't know how my volume is on the discord i know last time we were having some sort of issue where i seem to be low compared to everybody else i don't know if that's also the case but i'm also not on discord this time so it's probably okay
5: <laughs> we're cheating
3: yeah that's true hey bill you want to tell us how jack linked discord and mumble
5: yeah magic man pure <laughs> magic now i uh i i loaded the uh the the module for jack for pulse audio and, um, I wrote up a little script to kind of spin up, uh, um, all the, uh, all the little sources and sinks that I need for each, uh, each application I'm going to connect to it. And, uh, so basically I have a script that, uh, unloads all the sinks and sources and, uh, gets rid of those. The sinks are the, all the outbound audios and the sources are all the inbound audios. And, uh, basically I set up, a I set up channels for, uh, for, for mumble and in and an out. I set up a channel for discord and in and an out, and then I, uh, launch those from the same script using, uh, 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 handles for a uh, pulse underscore sync equals, you know, discord out or mumble out and pulse source equals mumble in or discord in. And then I execute the actual application. Uh, all in that one line so it uh, consumes that and it knows that that's going to be the uh, the audio devices that are are being linked and so those come up and then i just verify their configs that they're using the their proper ins and outs and then i brought up qa jack control or q jack control and just opened up the patch bay and uh, if you look back in the history in our chat channel i put a little screenshot of the patch bay in place and i literally just dragged from one to the other and the other one to the other one. <laughs> so they are cross-feeding uh, over there on my little Mac mini running uh fedora uh, 29 and uh, nothing special. Uh, I can't say that I've had Jack work uh, with uh, the microphone and headset and stuff like that there. I, I know I've gotten Jack to just work by itself and I've had some real random issues using the, uh, the Mac for that. I think it's a little, a little underpowered. It is a, you know, an, an, Eight or nine year old Mac now whatever, so uh um I think my laptop here actually would do a, a better job because it's an i seven and you know much much newer hardware and stuff like that but uh for just doing this i mean I mean that worked perfectly it uh it required uh, uh just a few seconds to wire everything up, and then you know a uh, couple of drags and drops and it was done <laughs> so easy peasy
1: sounds great on this end you're definitely five nine here in Mooresville.
5: Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I got complained about from, uh, from Don there, uh, KC9ZMY is that like when there's no audio going across, it is quiet. it <laughs> so, doesn't get any like room hum or anything else like that. So it's, it's literal. It's like, if there's nothing coming from the input, there's definitely nothing going to go to the output. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely a clean feed, much better than, uh, I was trying to use Windows before with, um, uh with a voice meter to uh do the the crisscross and uh that was having some real random choppiness and issues the same thing i was having but the, whenever the last time i used it to record um giving up on that box though so i think it's i think it's hardware related it's it's getting a new battery and some other parts in it uh here in the next uh next month or so so <laughs> we'll see if it improves all right so
3: so here's here's a topic that i'm going to kind of generalize from what i've been looking at um how does everybody feel about data privacy <laughs> um what with facebook and google plus and like the pretty much daily uh information leaks and all that so what do you think the state of the world is on data privacy uh, no, we
1: haven't had data privacy in a long time well i'm, I'm not talking
3: down. about the fact that people see already see see what we do but i mean this this stuff where, where everybody's getting hacked all the time and and uh like in the case of Facebook, where they've been caught basically selling all the information that they say they don't sell.
1: Well, I assume that's going to happen going into anything on the, uh, when you're, when you're the, uh, the product, you know, and we are the products and, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. when you're one not day. paying, you're the product. Exactly. So, uh, no, it doesn't surprise me. I can only see this getting worse uh to that end I know I have a Facebook account for the restaurant but I try to stay off it as off it as much as possible
3: do so you think all services should be free and all advertising based free services should just go away
1: <laughs> i don't know what we we could do with this but uh it's mm. it's uh, it's bad and i don't see it getting any any better
10: anytime soon i um I, i'm i'm of the negative you know opinion that uh, if the ad based internet economy went away Ninety percent of the stuff would just disappear tomorrow. Um, and, and the, the just, other part it's okay is okay with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure actually. how legitimate. Yeah, <laughs> that's a different discussion. But um, <laughs> I'm not sure how many of these um, advertising-based, targeting, user profiling-based things are actually legitimate. Um, I think they talk a bigger game than they actually are. Um, I'm I'm aware of multiple click farms in other countries where they're doing basically fraud, (laughs) where they just, you know, put traffic to a website just so that they get, you know, ad revenue, Um, which I think in the back of my mind, that is probably why YouTube um, uh, turned back the money pipes on ads for for some of the youtube channels was that this year or was that last year not sure myself i think, I think that was well, like yeah, I think it was this year <laughs> yeah. was it this sure yeah. Yeah. yeah but i think that's they're starting to catch on to that and i mean from my point of view i the thing that you know really messed up my year oh, was gdpr um you know, like a year and a half before GDPR, you know, went into effect, you know, I'm, I'm asking questions. It's like, does this apply to us? Because, you know, we get students from the EU and <laughs> February 18th, 2018, I remember it. I get a, a reply back saying, yes, and, you know, you have till May 25th to get you know, <laughs> things done. So that's been quite a mess.
3: Yeah, you can leave it to the EU to screw up most things. I mean, our last <laughs> episode was uh, called "Better Than Brexit" because that was back in the news again. Um, although, like I guess that's technically not the EU's fault. That's Great Britain. So.
4: It's in it's in the news again this
10: week. Too. Yeah,
3: well, it's going to be in the news for a while.
10: Yeah, yeah I was going to say till the end of March. Yeah, um, I talked to multiple people in Britain frequently, as some of you may or may not realize, and uh, it's it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Good or bad, it's a big deal. Well, yeah, it yeah, feels
3: essentially like a secession. It's a good thing they didn't talk to Texas, you know, because there, there'd be a big thing about it in this country. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it, it hasn't affected me because we don't really have a lot of dealings with uh, companies overseas or anything like that. So I haven't had to address GDPR at all. Or, yeah, GDPR, GPDR, whatever it is.
7: Uh, GDPR. <laughs> GDPR, yeah
10: general data protection regulation yeah that that thing
7: right though so, like, we probably wouldn't have found out about marriott if it wasn't for gdpr oh uh, that's true, true.
3: Yeah. i'm not saying gdpr in, in and of itself is a bad thing or a good thing it's just a thing yeah. it's something that has to be addressed for sure i know that well, software packages that come from you know eu nations and stuff like that they had stuff built you know built into it so when you upgraded it, it says hey do you want to enable gdpr you know provisions in your software and then you have to make the decision well do we need to do that are we subject to it and then there's the controversy about whether you know those laws reach
10: outside of that area but it would have been simpler in general i believe if it was worldwide very clear every country signed on to it but you know that's that's a pipe dream to even bring such a thing up.
3: Going to say you don't understand legislation very well. <laughs> Making things clear and ubiquitous is is hardly <laughs> at the top of the list. Um, so what else? Um, I just thought of something else too. Um, I forgot. <laughs> uh, one one of the big big tech topics listed on the sites that I've seen is Fortnite as bill triggers. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Need a badger for that or something?
4: <laughs> Bill Bill is addicted to Fortnite, so well, I don't think that addiction no, not is just
6: carrying yeah, not, I
5: not
7: anymore. Okay.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I yeah. don't have the 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 Xbox One or whatever now, so yeah. uh, that's okay. and it doesn't run on. At least I haven't tried running it on uh, Linux lately, so yeah, and it it wouldn't run. So it probably doesn't. He can quit
7: anytime he wants. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs>
4: And he was giving me right. grief about Facebook at Hamvention, so...
7: Yeah, I,
5: I probably haven't played Fortnite since before Hamvention, actually. It's just a joke.
6: Ah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need the epic launcher now.
5: Yeah, In fact, I don't think I've even played Counter-Strike in probably two months. So, I, yeah, I just don't have time.
3: <laughs> the only game I keep hearing about is Red Dead Redemption 2. That's the big one that everyone's playing nowadays, at least from what I've heard. So, yes. Okay,
10: like one yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing Gee, I just, it.
10: I just, I know all the students are. I'm still playing. I don't Overwatch, have time to do that. Which, you know how mm-hmm. many years old? Yeah.
3: I don't have time to do it, and I suck at all of them, so I don't even bother. I mean, there's just no point in it for me. Just give me, give me like Galaga. I'm good.
1: There you <laughs> go. It's awesome. Defender.
10: That's, <laughs> some good eight-bit games.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
6: Eternal
10: classics. <laughs> yeah. You know, have to go attention. check out uh,
6: good old games. They got a lot of old stuff. Yeah, what's that Pi-based retro game use- distro? Yeah,
1: another good use um, of the Raspberry Pi is a retro Pi. Retro- you can re- play yeah, a lot of yeah. uh, arcade games.
3: Yeah, there's a there's another one than Retro Pi, though. There's one that was before that one. Name. No, no, no. Mame? no. M- after name. It begins with an L. Yeah, Lutris.
5: let me, let me look That's here. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ever, ever since it. proton came out for uh, steam a lot of people moved away from lutris but uh it's still there yeah okay yeah, yeah that's, just,
3: that's something i'm gonna do i have a couple of game cabinets small game cabinets i want to convert one of them into a machine using uh raspberry pi um i've even got all the parts lined out to do a uh, hdmi to cga conversion which sounds craziness but you know <laughs> it'll work it'll work um oh, that so sounds that, awesome
0: yeah,
4: we actually we have two Galaga games and a Bad Cats pinball, and we have one. Uh, the property that we live on has the house that I grew up in, and our house on it. So there's a Galaga game in our game room in our house, and the other cabinet with the game, which has got a um, got a video issue right now. There's like a the side of the screen's like pulling or something. It's in storage over at the house I grew up in. So one uh, one cabinet, one or the other, I guess, is going to get refurbed into like a main-type yeah, machine. be some so, sort of
3: retro game arcade yeah. machine. So, just going to buy um, the hardware for it, put it together? That's awesome.
1: That, yeah. That's great. You know uh, that's back awesome. In college, back in college, uh, a good friend of mine uh, was really heavily in video games and pinball and stuff like that, and I had this super powerful rare-earth magnet that I don't know what kind of pull it had on it, but it could probably uh, dislodge the sun.
0: and uh, I used to
1: keep it I used to keep it in my backpack and every time he put a quarter in the machine I would just very stealthily put my backpack next to the machine and watch the video just smear and pull all over (laughs) to the right hand side, the left hand side or all the colors would change it's like well this video game is broken so he'd get on the pinball machine and course, I would stand up right against the machine, and the the ball would. I would make it tilt the, the ball machine <laughs> tilt from the mercury switches and things like that. So, nice. a lot of fun,
3: a lot of fun. So, so when was the last time you degaussed a monitor?
1: <laughs> oh, they're built in now. But this magnet was so strong it would pull the magnet so far out of alignment you couldn't even degauss them.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. so, so all, all the
1: all the video games in, in the, uh the game room at, at college were all screwed up. That was me. So <laughs> I, I guess after 20 years, the uh, 30 years, the uh, they can't get me anymore.
10: Oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> I,
7: yeah, so I was going to uh, say, I think the only CRTs I've seen had been at Dayton.
3: Yeah. And they're probably for sale for five bucks too. <laughs>
7: Exactly.
4: <laughs> now, don't we have some CRTs still wandering around? I, I think
3: we do have one. I think We do have one still lying around somewhere. It's a, it's an old Dell 19 inch CRT, gathering dust somewhere.
1: So we have a dumpster behind the war uh, monitor.
0: <laughs>
1: we we have a dumpster behind the the restaurant, and uh, there's the uh, the mission, which is across the alley from us, and we get a constant stream of people dropping off their old TV sets. And thinking our dumpster is their dumpster. Nice. <laughs> I'll go in about every weekend, and there's like three or five uh, old TVs in there. <laughs> and uh, I'm, still, I'm still dealing with that. Even even today, I'm still dealing with old TV sets. So you know, it's funny. You
3: can't. A lot of fun. <clears> At <throat> Hamvention, you know, they'll be they'll be selling CRT monitors and stuff like that, and they probably get a sale or two. But if you if you take a 19 inch CRT and put it on craigslist or facebook you cannot sell them you can't even give
5: them, give away. them away right
3: no
1: <laughs> no they just told me my dumpster
5: yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have that's like my my uh, oldest he likes uh, saving those things i have a sony trinitron desktop monitor under my stairs somewhere and then i have like a 36 inch monitor CR- CTR, CRT as well that he won't let me throw away nice e-waste places won't even take that stuff anymore
3: yeah i mean you literally cannot get rid of them unless you throw them into hutch's dumpster i mean you're right
5: and that dumpster is located at what address (laughs) 11
9: 11, 11 east main street just go around back (laughs) actually you can take those to goodwill they I don't know what the story is, but they will take them and they, like, ship them off to somewhere to recycle or something like that. I've done that a few times.
4: Interesting.
3: There there are still computer you know, hardware recyclers around, and I know there's a couple here in this area, Um, but I, I haven't brought them a CRT. Like I said, we still have one lying around, which will probably be there until we uncover it in you know, a decade or, or so. Something.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: I guess you could pull out yeah, one, the, uh, the transformers and stuff and make some really dangerous Tesla coils out of them.
0: <laughs> Hooray.
3: <laughs> pull out the shock transformer been, and see how many things you can electrocute. Possi- with it. Yeah.
1: What could possibly go wrong with that?
4: Now we know why Hutch now lives out in the boonies. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: It was actually by decree.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> I'm banned in of three the states. Of others. <laughs> yes. They kicked me out of Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> we always wondered why you opened a cajun restaurant in indianapolis i mean it yeah. t- t- seemed a little weird yeah.
4: <laughs> he claimed yeah. it was that whole true love thing but yeah we- i saw <laughs> holes in that
3: <laughs>
4: <clears throat>
1: the secret's
3: out
4: yeah, there you go
3: <laughs> all right so maybe so we don't take all night doing this um but we could because i'm having fun um, does anybody have, let's see, we, t- we kind of talked about like 2018 in, in review, I guess, although, um, it's all hazy unless I go back and listen to our episodes from this year. Um, anybody think of any predictions they want to make for 2019? It can be about anything. It doesn't have to be tech related or amateur radio related, but does anybody have a vision for the future a year from now that we can oh, kind it's of look gonna back?
5: Be, it's going to be the year of the Linux desktop. Oh, wait, isn't that every year?
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs>
10: damn I, I, I believe it this year
5: you believe it this year we have yeah. we
3: have a, a second for the year of the linux desktop okay well here's here's my thought on calling 2019 the year of the linux desktop I'm, I'm comfortable with saying that but we have to define our terms what does that mean what will the year of the linux desktop look like
10: i you know as i think i think about this i'm still expecting a major windows 10 snafu um, I'm expecting a Mac OS snafu, and I'm really expecting to see some people that want to keep older machines running that will be going back to, you know, and I, I'm really thinking that the Ubuntu stuff is, is right now, I think where a lot of people are looking at. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic for 2019 being the year of the desktop. I don't think it's going to be a major push, but I think it's going to be A noticeable push, meaning we'll go from what 2% to 15 to 20%. How's that for bold?
3: That's bold. And it's actually specific to something
10: that's checkable.
3: So
7: I'm going to make another prediction. I'm going to say that 2019 is going to see peak desktop, and we're going to start seeing fewer and fewer, particularly in the business environment, desktop the classical keyboard-mouse monitor system on the desktop, because it's just getting too hard to maintain those environments. We're going to go to some kind of thin client, whether it be a tablet or whatever, and some cloud-based Citrix or whatever-like solution. And we're going to start moving away from heavy OSs on the desktop.
1: Yeah, we're kind of seeing that now, aren't we? I mean, you look at uh, Microsoft yes. and got everything on the cloud, and <coughs> Apple's got mm-hmm. everything on the cloud, and and uh, the OS really doesn't matter anymore. I mean, your desktop—it doesn't matter what it is, you know, because it's all going to be on the cloud anyway. Which I think is a horrible mm-hmm. mistake, but uh, yeah. that's that's where it's going. Uh, I'll always have a desktop. I've always had one, and I always will uh and i've got most of my life on the on the internet which is to me scary if i think about it but uh that's where we're going and i see more embedded uh headless uh internet of thing devices like we need more of those things around uh <laughs> they're just disasters but um, you know we're getting cheap stuff in from uh, other countries that uh, have no security whatsoever so uh that's just a nightmare but that's where we're headed we're headed into some horrible um, zombie apocalypse uh, in 2019 but uh, I agree the desktop is going away
10: for good or bad it's going to happen I I, I kind of agree with that I'm not specifically seeing it in my vertical but that being said I know that this stuff goes in cycles and we go into centralized decentralized mainframes desktops minis main you know desktops are back again um, Not GUI, GUI inter- interfaces. You know, it, c- it comes in cycles while the cloud is, you know, this week's flavor of centralized computing. And unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, depending on how you look at it, the interconnectivity that we have in a lot of the, you know, connections that the different ISPs make to each other It's robust enough that it's. I think you are going to see that. I'm still thinking it's a couple years out yet, but I'm thinking. I mean, the Chromebooks really took off more than I expected, Um, and um, everything else that you know. I'm seeing with the you know exactly with the cloud services, um, hosted uh, virtual desktops. I I was trying some of them. you know it, it's 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 got some potential it just needs a little more time to to work out but stuff changes relatively rapidly so it could be enough that all of a sudden, you know quarter two quarter three you know see a surge but i'm still thinking it's a, a year or two out
3: so what um, what does anybody think is going to overcome the reservations of people like me who have huge doubts about the security of cloud infrastructure
7: the business it's
6: the people that don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, it's going to be the the kids that literally just want to play Fortnite and they don't care where they get it, how they do it. You know, security is not anything that they even have a comprehension about, and they're you know we you can see that in like the Apple ecosystem. They just want what whatever is shown to them, and they'll take it. I mean, it's funny. I must be the, I have to be the youngest person here, but I'm also probably just as cynical as much older gray <laughs> well,
7: No, I, th- gonna- I, I think it's going to be driven by the business units um, because they want the mobility, the collaboration. You know, you've got all these open workspaces now. They're really catering to the, the millennials as the new hire. They, they all want their tablets. They all want to be able to be working wherever they are. So, um, you know, Microsoft is making a huge, huge push into Office 365 as a uh, cloud based. Um, they've kind of made the whole exchange outlook environment so top heavy that hosting that in house now is, is, <coughs> almost impossible. You need an entire department to manage your email. And now they're coming around and saying, we'll do this for you for almost free. Well, turns out it isn't almost free.
0: But <laughs> it's,
7: it's a lot of money. But when you look at, you know, systems and disk and all the infrastructure you need to support that and upgrades are a nightmare. Um, they're really making a play to say, you know, what we well, need story? a lot of bandwidth we're here too. From for the that. government, we're here to help you, right? <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> yeah, you need a lot of and- you need a lot of
5: bandwidth to uh to to host the exchange services, especially if you're on a like a high use domain or something like that. That's uh, what right, I see and- here. A lot of people try to run their own little little mail server and it's just not very practical anymore. And you know. Yeah, you know, businesses are so cheap when they're mm-hmm. buying their bandwidth and stuff like that anyway. <laughs> you know, that's
7: well, just to offload it and give it to someone else. And, right. Bandwidth is relatively cheap. It's still kind I of just, expensive for you that. and me, but well <laughs> no, no, okay. Let, let let me qualify that. You you make a very valid point. Where you live, bandwidth is expensive. Where Russ lives, bandwidth is very expensive. And all this cloudy you know, centralized computing stuff is really, really on those of us who live in down Chicago, down Seattle, downtown San Francisco. It is a very uh, big city, um, millennial point of view. So I say bandwidth is cheap. And for me, bandwidth is cheap, but for you, it is not. And the whole, the, the, the whole play goes upside down once you get out of the big centers and they don't understand that at all.
1: Well, I see we're it's not. a fragmentation of the haves and have nots. And if you're in a big city, then yeah, everything's hunky-dory. But as soon as you move out of the city and you're in the cornfields of, of uh, the Midwest, if you're here in Mooresville, you're okay. But once you go a few miles out, there is no bandwidth. You couldn't, you couldn't buy it for a thousand dollars a gigabyte. So oh, it's the haves and have nots. They don't think about- and we're, we're, or uh, separating the the has from the have nots, which I think is a very dangerous thing to do.
3: Well, and, and, and I work in the broadband <laughs> broadband carrier space, so I'm I'm sort of in this. And then there was the broadband, you know, initiatives sponsored by the government, which was great. It brought broadband to places where there wasn't broadband before, but it was incumbent upon the providers to to avail themselves of the government money and and actually build out the infrastructure, which some companies did and some companies didn't and well i yeah.
1: see the fcc just rolled over and let uh let comcast and some of the bigger companies uh just you know take the money and uh, not really do anything not really help anything uh i i see it all the time when i'm i'm out and about and not just in, in uh, the midwest but when i go back home to louisiana i mean it's it's like a third world country down there uh the internet there is very spotty i mean and and there's no impetus for these uh, these companies to do anything about it. And I kind of blame the government in, in letting uh, those companies just kind of uh, do whatever they want. Aren't they writing their own rules anyway?
3: Yeah, more or <laughs> less. And, and I'm uh, yes. subject, uh, a subject, a subservient subject of one of the larger. broadband carriers, not quite on the level of Comcast and Time Warner and all that, but um, sort of sort of up in the uh, sort of second tier area and. They they spend all of their time simply acquiring smaller companies just to get more coverage area. But when they do those acquisitions, they don't do anything with the infrastructure from those. They just swallow them up, give them their name, and provide the same crappy service.
6: So yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, we we're out in the middle of almost nowhere. I mean, if uh, you ever look at the map of uh, Central New York there's like a triangle between Syracuse, Binghamton and, uh, Albany. And it is just to the East of, uh, the great light or the finger lakes. And within that triangle, you have no, you only have tiny little pockets where you're going to end up having any type of thing called high speed internet. Um, even to the point where dial up doesn't even become a viable thing in some parts because the central office is just too far away um and when it wasn't until the uh 2008 when there was a bunch of money that came out of congress to to build out like fiber infrastructure our bandwidth at work went we we were able to afford four times the amount of bandwidth for the same cost because suddenly our connections weren't to the telephone carrier that had the only fiber into the area, but to Albany and Syracuse where we could get, you know, way cheaper bandwidth. And it's even worse on the uh, consumer side. Um, We're like looking at property and stuff and you go not even a mile outside of like a village of, you know, a few hundred people and that's it. There's nothing you can't get um, coverage. Uh, There's no, there's even parts still out here that don't have cell coverage. Um, it just doesn't exist.
3: Yeah, see so here, they they finally, three years after the initiative, built out fiber. There There is a fiber that's within 1,200 feet of, of my house, and they will not
6: build it to here. Yeah, they won't drop it off because it costs too much to yeah. to deal with you as a consumer, even though not like, I mean, you know, they're thinking... Joe consumer, not uh, Russ consumer. <laughs> no, well, I understand that. But. but
4: the bad thing is, the company that Russ works for is an itty bitty, teeny weeny company. Yet their oh, their our, our customers are getting superb internet. And it, you know, it used to be once upon a time because you know he works for a company in Arkansas, or Central Arkansas, which is 150 miles from our driveway in Missouri. And there would be times that I would need to download a huge file and I would either call him and say, Hey, since you can download that file in like two minutes there, download it and put it on a zip drive or something and bring it home or, you know, external hard drive, or I would get in the car and drive the 150 miles to go download, you know, the copy of whatever I needed. Um, Because even now our internet it, we have sloths apparently running the little, you know, hamster wheels.
3: Right. For our, our, our upload here. speed. Our upload speed is still in line with ISDN. It's it's le- it's measured in 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 units less than megabits. So wow.
4: At our house in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. And at Arkansas, what is what what do you give your customers? Gig- gigabit of? synchronous. Yeah. So.
3: I'd be curious
1: into finding out what the uh, bandwidth of a uh, FedEx delivery is. how much faster it would be to load up a truck with CDs and just mail them to people, you know? It's
7: phenomenal. A FedEx is a really good amount of bandwidth. The problem is the damn latency.
6: Right. (laughs) Did you guys ever see the uh, Amazon Semi that was they actually did that calculation. I forget what it was. It was something crazy, like, you know, a few petabytes or something they could fit in the Semi truck and they did the calculation of how fast you could transfer that amount of data from Los Angeles to New York based on how long the truck could drive. Right. The distance.
3: <laughs> That's a really big, really latent package. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, it, it, they also didn't tell you exactly how long it took you to load it and how long it's going to take you to offload uh, all of it. Right, right,
3: right. I think that might exceed most pipes MTU,
10: though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, just quickly. it's like a
1: Windows 10 update.
10: Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Uh, But tailoring off what Don was saying, um, I sometimes have to, you know, my sister-in-law is in self-imposed exile in Vermont. And I go up I-88 through New York State, you know, up in Don's neck of the woods there. And and he's not kidding. You get off the highway half a mile and the cell phone coverage disappears. it's, It's trippy.
4: We we have that here too. It's it's getting better. It, it's
3: not quite as bad because we don't have the terrain issues that Vermont
4: right. has. no, that's very true. Um, but
0: but, yeah, but
4: we dealt with that when we were visiting your parents and traveling through Vermont and things. Well, yeah, yeah sightseeing. Yeah.
10: Vermont Vermont's a mess anyway with cell phone coverage cuz Verizon covers like a, a third of the state and AT&T covers a third of the state and neither one of them cover each other.
0: Nice. <laughs> <That's great. laughs>
10: it it like goes way back to the
6: late 90s when it was like singular had like their counties at least in New York. Yep. Um I traveled to western New York and there's like when I was on AT&T and I had been on AT&T since 90 nine, 2000 or whatever. Um, well, singular and then whatever <laughs> through all the acquisitions. I literally cannot get cell phone coverage in my mother's house. Like I can go outside and I can get one bar. I go to the county over and I get five bars. It's the nuttiest thing. Like it's like they still have like, I don't know, land use agreements for cell coverage, which you would have thought would have timed
10: out after 20 years. Um, I have the exact same problem in Bradford county at the mother-in-law's um, you know five miles out from her house there's like a you know four or five mile stretch where you know you get T or or verizon coverage actually um, I'm currently using cricket which is T towers um but you go to her house and there is nothing there Wi-Fi calling only off of her DSL light yeah it's crazy in
1: five g supposed to fix all this?
5: <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty, pretty sure guess. that's not going to happen.
10: Yeah, I'll, I I want to
1: see that happen. Well, it's, like the, it's crazy the cuz they talk
6: about 5G is it's it's going to be worse coverage than Wi-Fi is today. Like to in order to make true 5G, it, it the density's going to be like on, you know, parking meters and plant posts.
3: Well, it used to be that roaming was a thing because every, every everybody's network was so small. And then they started building out all the networks. So now you see four towers grouped together because everybody puts a tower in the same spot. So you get your Verizon, AT&T, whatever next to each other, but you can't talk to each other. You don't roam anymore, but you're beholden to the network you're on. So, you know, that, that created a different issue. And now, it, you know, AT&T is AT&T again, right? Because it was AT&T, then it was singular, then it went back, to, back AT&T to AT&T or something. Right, and it's like-
10: yeah. <laughs> AT&T is actually Southwest Bell.
3: So, yeah, right which is what it was originally before the baby bells. And then there was the whole thing about all that. And then it all came back together again, even though it was supposed to be broken up in antitrust suits and blah, blah. blah and yet here we are.
10: <laughs> yeah. So, um, locally, I, I know that T-Mobile and AT&T have some agreement in the Valley that time forgot that I live in. Um, because I do see that people that have T-Mobile phones will work and I can tell you there's no T-Mobile towers around, but Verizon you can't even that's not even an option because they use completely different technology so they're using the CDMA as the TDMA time division multiplex Axis. I think that's what that is and versus carrier right anyway um so you end up having people that go to Walmart to get Straight Talk phones and they specifically look for the ones that use Verizon towers um rather than the at&t towers because for the most of the valley that, that's the better coverage
3: all right well i'm not sure how we wandered off into cell phone coverage but we us <laughs> 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 probably kind of like rein it back in and see if anybody has any other predictions for 2019 we can talk about
4: well here's a prediction okay. i am not going to further my license at hamvention
3: okay you're gonna you're gonna be cool, with general.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna stay with
3: general. Yeah, I think so. you're okay with that. I don't see any reason for you to go to extra. Quite honestly, if if you ever get that kind of motivation, there'll there'll be other factors in in play. I'm
5: sure. So yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's an easy one to uh yeah. to go with. I think. Yeah. I'll make a prediction. I'm not gonna drive 24 hours straight to.
10: <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, that's to good. Hamvention again.
10: <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. So so everyone's going to hamvention. Yes. No, as far as, know,
3: as far as we know as we know yep okay if, if our uh if our funding campaign works out like it has for the last seven years then we'll be there if, <laughs> if it goes south then maybe not probably
4: not yeah. <laughs> mm.
7: yeah my hotel is booked and i already have my four days in may tickets yeah our hotel
4: was booked about as soon as a week we could after handvention <laughs> yeah. yeah it is it is so hard to find a handicap accessible room for handvention so you know, I, I basically like camp out at the computer checking, you know, Marriott and Hyatt and stuff as to when I can book. <laughs> so but yeah, so as soon as like midnight on the night that they opened up those dates, I was booking room. So
3: Yeah. So we're we're thinking we're gonna be there for sure. Yeah,
0: I mean, hoping yeah. yeah. anyway. So
10: I actually am gonna go this year for the first time, mainly because uh Colin uh m6 boy twisted my arm and said i got an airbnb you should come oh yeah oh, there you go yeah oh, that's awesome
4: it's the speaking from the experience of being at both dayton at Hera arena and xenia um hara was an experience that everybody needed to partake in once and yeah. that that was plenty yeah but yeah, Xenia is smaller, but it is a little better. It, it's I don't know. It's it's kind of a crapshoot on whether it's better or not.
3: Are they going to have Building Six this year?
4: They say they no. are. They, that the what last is that thing the I one? Said, Yeah, there's
3: they, did, they were yeah. supposed to have. They were supposed to replace the tents with a new building for this past year, which didn't happen. So I haven't heard if they were yeah, going to get they it they done. I thought
6: they announced that they were that that would I had already fallen through yet again. Oh, um,
4: has it? Okay. Apparently, I missed that memo. So. <laughs> so
3: glad we got into one of the, the buildings then.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Provided we're still in there again this year. So. Well,
3: I, I would assume. Yeah, right next like, to HRD, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be right next to HRD again, unless they decide to move and across the hall from... Uh, Get those scallops
5: the entire weekend.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, because they, they were not happy next to us. Yeah, I just
3: got a <laughs> yeah. message on my club, um, my ham radio club email list about a 30% discount on HRD, and everybody should take them up on their offer because it's the best ham radio software ever.
4: Well, I got the same thing when I got my <laughs> license. I got a 50%
9: off.
3: Quit the club, off. Jesus.
9: <laughs> <laughs> I got a 50% bunch of off idiots. certificate for it. So. <laughs> yeah, I've been seen you're... a bunch of ads for that too uh, recently. I never had, but uh, just recently, I've been seeing all kinds of HRD ads.
3: I can only hope this is because their market share is taking a steep nosedive.
4: Yeah, that we were
1: Well, I'm I'm not going to drink that Kool-Aid. I'm not drinking. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they they sat, you know, they sat next to us at hamvention hey and they were um less than pleased <laughs> from the comments they made to us, comments they made to other people because people would stop they would stop at their booth first and then stop at ours and they'd be like, yeah, they don't like you over there. No, no, like we have no we issue. That. We
3: have no issue with HRD. No,
4: we don't have an issue. No, they were saying that HRD. Has oh, the HRD, issue HRD with doesn't us. like us.
9: Uh, what, yeah. What's their so, main issue? Do you know?
4: Uh, because they charge and Linux doesn't. I think that was the big. Uh, thing. Well, yeah. The well, big
9: yeah. issue is we're trying to
3: give them an alternative, uh, literally an alternative to their piece of software. I mean, that was a that was one of the founding topics of Linux and the Hamshack was how to get away from using HRD. And so,
9: yeah. I mean, I know that's that's obviously the case. I just know if that was what their complaint is, or if it's something else. But if that's what no, it was- I,
4: I think it's pretty well the Linux Windows. I don't know. Thing. Maybe we're just
3: generally unlikable. I don't know.
4: It's all Bill's fault.
3: <laughs> hey, if they want to my fault. If they want to bring back Tom, I'd much rather be next to Tom. So well, that's right.
4: Yeah. yeah.
1: So what's the latest and greatest out there to uh, replace HRD? in the Linux world.
3: See, we, we or, still or, have not we don't have an atomic solution. There's not there's not a a single solution to HRD. That's the one thing we have to kind of dispel at every turn is that there is no HRD for Linux. There actually used to kinda of be uh before HRD rolled to version five. You could actually run it in wine. Um but so I think we we generally recommend a combination of WSJTX, FLDigi, and CQR Log. To right. do all of the functionality that's encompassed by HRD, right? Uh, yeah, I
9: guess the,
1: yeah, I agree with that.
9: The question I have is: is the is the HRD model a good thing?
3: I personally don't think so. I don't like all-in-one solutions. I, I think they come with necessary handicaps. Um, <clears throat> the biggest one being performance and resource intensiveness, and if you have, if you have a split solution, especially solutions like CQR log, FLDG and WSJTX that can talk to each other, it's easier to partition those resources in meaningful ways. You can, you can run them in a, you know, in a singular environment. You can run them all on the same machine, do the same thing, give yourself a semi cohesive experience like HRD. But if you want to break them apart and only use this little bit of the solution that you really need, you can't do that with HRD. Somebody else might have a different take on that, but that's my take on it. No, that's
1: yeah. I'd like, I like uh, small, lean, and mean programs uh, big, bloated uh, programs that take up all your memory and all your resources, and really, uh, isn't a very pleasant experience. I much prefer. I, I think
3: there small, may also right, and I think there may also be some issues. Uh, I we haven't delved into this really deeply, and we wouldn't do it in a malicious way. But if I'm not mistaken, we have uncovered that parts of HRD are actually GPL licensed and technically not allowed to be in HRD because HRD is purely commercial and they do not publish source. Um, Right. Hmm. But I think we found out that there are some parts, there are some parts of it, some of the underlying libraries that are GPL'd or or in other ways copyleft. But we haven't really. Really dug into that, so.
10: Well, that's a downer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don did post in the chat room uh, that there will not be a building in 2019.
4: Yeah, I just I just read on their website that was apparently in August, uh, like August 8th, they posted that um, they spent many hours working with Green County officials to reach an agreement on a long-term contract. For the fairgrounds in Hamvention would feel comfortable erecting a new building. Unfortunately, we've been able unable to successfully reach an agreement satisfactory to all parties. This is, does not mean our relationship with Greene County and the Fair Board is not good. Quite the contrary. It's excellent. But it does mean that we will not have a new building for 2019.
3: Yeah, so. I imagine it's a substantial financial outlay to build a building the size of the one they're talking about building, for sure. Right. Because I think it would be the biggest one on the property. So
4: probably yeah but that's
3: okay we're not in building six um you know <laughs> and uh all empathy to those who wind up there
4: so this is the tent
3: yeah it's just, it, just it's a said, giant tent well it's it, two tents i think right. but yeah it's uh,
4: it said that they are working on getting like paved paths and if they can just you know, lay down a decent tents and right. blah, blah, blah 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 if they
3: can just pour a foundation for a building. With proper drainage, yeah, that <laughs> the tent be nice. will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> you know, instead of wading through muck, know, instead of it being a, deep, basically
3: yeah. a covered lake. Right. So, assuming
10: weather isn't consistent. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: well, weather in in Dayton has been fairly inconsistent the years we've been there. So,
4: and maybe we can get Hutch to go with us this year.
1: You know, I'd like to go. I haven't. I've been to uh, Dayton three times, and I've never been to Xenia and uh, I'd like to go one one time. Um, but uh it's a lot they're a lot of fun, but uh i I' sort of like just standing back and and looking at it on the uh, internet and and watching uh, the the youtube the live streams from tube and I'm happy with that but <laughs> Enslav- yeah I like to go one
4: enslaving year. over a stove in your restaurant.
1: Well, I'll just sit in the back and make them work, and I'll, I'll eat crawfish. Oh, gotcha. Oh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, we're definitely gonna, you know, hit there on our way through. So, well, I, awesome. don't, I
3: think that goes as a given, honestly. Well, yeah.
4: Anytime yeah. we're in the area, we're there for dinner. We're so. somewhere within
1: 150 sure. miles
3: of Indianapolis. We kind of
1: appreciate it.
3: Well,
1: <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone uh, out there uh, in the uh, in the chat and mumble and stuff, you're all invited. And uh, the crawfish, the first crawfish, if we have them, I don't know if we have them. I don't even know if uh, crawfish are in until that day or that week. But I All hope right. we will have some.
3: The only thing that's disappointing about going in May, in mid-May, is it's after oyster season, and I can't get my oysters.
1: That's right? Sad. Yeah, it's uh, oysters have been real tough. The uh, the seafood industry down there is go- is going through some some tough times. The mm. uh, shrimp are getting really hard to get. Oysters, everything, even in even, uh, for the restaurants in Louisiana, they're having a hard time, much wow. less shipping them up here to, to uh, Indiana.
0: Well, that's too
3: bad. That's, that's bad news yeah. for me because I love me some oysters. <laughs> I think my shrimp, the
1: cost, yeah, really, the cost of my shrimp, I think has tripled since it last is. year. Ouch. Yeah. And, uh, oysters are, if you can get them, are just not that, that great. So it's, it's tough. It's really tough right now. The seafood. And yeah. that's just not, uh, Louisiana seafood. Any, any seafood from anywhere is getting, but I'm not blaming it on anything. I just, you know, I don't know. It's not Donald Trump. It's not the. Way- I don't know what it is, but uh,
3: <laughs> probably overfishing. <laughs> it's,
0: it's <laughs> probably
10: so. Most cycles. The, all the, all- I was gonna say it goes in cycles, <laughs> and the pollution hasn't helped much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. This I might think
3: i Nice segue into food and drink, though.
10: <laughs> there you well, go. Yeah, let's talk one- about something good here. I was gonna say one thing. I, I did have my on my little. Scratchpad was um, you were talking about, you know, 2018 retrospective. And I just want to say, I don't know how long ago it was, you guys did an episode that was a USB deep dive. Yes. Um, yeah. The one where you, you know, you talk about, you know, statically naming a USB device. I use that more than I ever thought I would. So <laughs> kudo, kudos on that one. That's one I actually use multiple times a year
3: oh fantastic oh, yeah. we always like to hear that that was episode number 218 by the way it was released on the 3rd of april 2018
10: so there you go the uh, it's been a while that. yep
3: <laughs> all right i'm glad some of the information that comes out of here is useful that's always
0: <laughs> motivating <laughs> <you know?
5: laughs> i did get a, a an email today from uh a guy trying to get his uh touch interface on his Raspberry Pi tablet thingy working. <laughs> it says, I have uh, installed Linux on a Pi and uh, with a seven-inch touchscreen, and I can't seem to find a keyboard app that works like a tablet should, as in when you touch a browser, the keyboard will, should pop up. <laughs> your <hard> thoughts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I- install Chrome. <laughs> Just there, not, not Chrome. What, what is it called? The uh, uh, Android. That's what it is. Android. Install Android on your Pi. <laughs> If no, I'm can. not sure. Yeah, there's like uh you know what, there was Ubuntu Touch uh if you wanted Ubuntu, but I think a lot of people have been saying that uh they've had a lot of luck with touch interfaces with using Fedora and uh I guess GNOME, but I'm not sure if Pi uh has the guts to run GNOME. Normally you run a little lighter UI than that. Um there are specific keyboards too there for for touch interfaces. Um but I don't know I don't know, like do you need a? do you need it to be more on the um windowing environment layer to say oh yeah there's a square uh, text box input box you know trigger the keyboard app or do you think a keyboard app is actually looking for other boxes inside of other apps which i don't think it would i almost think this has to be a, a ui thing
3: I'm not going to offer any speculation on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, install
5: Android on it. There you go. You're fine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I do have somebody in some feedback here that I haven't had a chance to research, and maybe someone here has any, some information on it. It's about uh, OP25. Anybody know what OP25 is?
5: Type um, in the Google now. One more than OP24? <laughs> yes, yes. Technically true oh P25 for dummies. Oh wait, no, wait. Raspberry Pi. Is this a Raspberry Pi thing?
10: Oh, it's an it's an open source uh, P25. Okay.
5: Uh. Oh. that's not very exciting.
10: Well, <laughs> it, it, it it is it is if you're getting P25 in the area, which oh. uh, we 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 probably are cuz the statewide the next gen of the Pennsylvania statewide system is uh VHF based P25. And the local county is talking about replacing their analog system with the, the statewide P25 system. So maybe I'll want to look at this just to, uh, yeah. So yeah, P25
5: is a program that decodes P25 phase one and phase two digital radios. And it's, uh, it's in a, then a git get, uh, get repo. All right. Well, this, this, uh,
3: comes from John W a three U H Z, uh, who's in Germantown, Maryland so he's apparently in an area where p25 is available the question he has is i have the following trunking app up and running but cannot get it to decode voice uh any chance that any of us or our colleagues have this cooking and then can answer some questions about op25 decoding voice so if this gets out to anybody who has some knowledge of this um we would love to have you come and talk about it some
9: I've never tried to do it or don't know anything about it, but I see a tutorial on setting it up on the com page, so maybe yes, that helps.
3: And he cites that link, um, but apparently is still having issue. So, all right, some, something for a future listener of this episode when it comes out. Hopefully, uh, we can get an answer for, for John about that.
9: We have P25 uh, going in the in the area with emergency services, but I've never tried to do anything with it, so I don't know.
3: All right well we're gonna we're appealing to the hive mind to uh get us answer, so hopefully we can <clears throat> all right, so I mean, feel free to bring up any topics at all, but I figured I would uh move over to food because i thought there was some discussion about hutch giving us a recipe or something or did we already do that
4: no hutch gave us a recipe oh that's right you, you know. did that
3: so do you yeah. do you want to give us a recipe for tonight or
4: i i'm discussing the oysters you had in tulsa with Hutch <laughs> right now <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh i see you got <laughs> well, a whole private channel going on well here. yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I, I saw the picture they, they look beautiful the oysters look beautiful uh, a really simple thing to do with oysters is really, uh, as you shuck them, put a pat of butter and some chopped parsley and a little bit of garlic and hot sauce and then put them on a hot grill just a, a few minutes until the edges curl. And then you uh, top that with Parmesan cheese and they're wonderful.
3: Well, that sounds really good. Well, so yeah. that's,
1: that's a real simple recipe right there.
3: Well, there you go. <laughs> How no. come you can't just toss recipes off the top of your head like that? do you want me to tell you, you, you about do, you the chicken
4: do. noodle soup i just made okay
3: sure tell us about the chicken noodle soup there you go Um
4: uh, that sounds great let's some, hear it some chicken some <laughs> chicken broth
3: don't say chicken noodles and soup because yeah, that's, well, it's yeah, yeah, that's, that's,
4: <laughs> that's kind of it yeah <laughs> some carrots some corn uh what else did i put in there uh onion yeah, so a bunch of seasoning yeah i had um garlic garney which who you, makes you, they, that Stuff. I don't know
3: that you can explain garlic. garlic yeah, it's so. it's
4: a it's a pre-made spice, but it has uh, garlic and onion and all sorts of stuff in it, um, and some celery salt and some salt and pepper, and some MSG. For those don't boo me because we. Use I love
3: how salt you prices. used salt-free broth, and then you put MSG in
4: it. Uh, MSG doesn't have that much sodium in it.
3: It's called monosodium glutamate. It yeah, has go, sodium in the it name. Ha-
4: yes, yes. <laughs> go look at the but can. there's only one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't. I used low salt broth purely because I didn't want it to be, you know, salt load. Um, What else did I put in there? I think that was it. So.
3: You're talking about the time. That-
1: a good variation. I'm sorry. A good oh, variation. No, no you go one. right ahead. Would be to use on a chicken, uh, soup or a stew of any kind, use turmeric and right. use rosemary. Right. And, uh, some fresh chopped garlic and uh, cracked black pepper.
4: Oh, mine also has uh, garlic be, cloves in it too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And those, those spices tend to, go uh, very well, uh, with chicken, turmeric, garlic, um,
4: and
3: rosemary
1: and rosemary and throw in some MSG as you, if you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> MSG, there's hey, there's a lot of good things to be said about MSG in moderation.
4: Right.
0: <laughs> right. In no, moderation. no, no. That's
4: that's very true. You know, and Russ is real big into the whole umami thing, so yeah. you know, and yeah. that that's how you get it is basically using MSG. So. Well, I was gonna, I was mentioning right.
3: the thing when Clancy was here and oh. put MSG on his hamburger instead of salt. That was fun.
4: Oh no, 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 oh. no, no. What was he, it? He he hit the whole spice rack. He put he put a bunch of salt on it, then a bunch of MSG, then a bunch of seasoned salt. And then wow. he was complaining later that he was having chest pains. I'm like, you <laughs> think?
3: <laughs> Good way to have a stroke. Yeah, yes. exactly. You <laughs> haven't killed anybody yet, honestly.
4: Uh, yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> Any day now, but not yet. So
3: I did mention on the last episode, the last uh, weekender, that I, I had done a review of the tin cup whiskey. And I had said that I was, instead of doing that, I was thinking about doing another whiskey that was really, really good and then wound up doing the tin cup instead. And everybody was like, well, why didn't you do the good one? Well,
4: (laughs) yeah, so why didn't you do the good one?
3: Well, I'm not going to do a review of these, but I'm going to mention two that I've come across that are really good and that I would rate in the mid to upper 90s on my scale. They're both bourbons. And like I said, I'll do formal reviews of them once we come back in the new year, but I will mention them in case somebody wants to go out and find one. Uh, the first one is Old Forester 1920 Prohibition style. It's absolutely fantastic bourbon. Um, it comes in at 120 ish proof, something like that. Um, but it's an outstanding bourbon and it costs you know, around 65 to $70 a bottle. So it's, you know, it's up there a little bit. Um, but it's fantastic. And the other one I would, I would recommend that I just found is called Willett Pot Still Bourbon. Um, this one is sometimes hard to find depending on where you are in the country. Uh, some places have it in stock all the time. Other places only get it in limited quantities. Uh, it only costs $45 a bottle. And, and again, uh, a mid to upper 90s rated fantastic bourbon in my book. So I, w- I would definitely recommend either one of those two if you're into that kind of thing. So, And I'll do full reviews on them some other time. Does anybody else have any suggestions? I, I like hearing suggestions from other people too, especially stuff I haven't tried before. So,
4: well, see that that completely takes me out of the running. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you you recommend food, yeah, and because you only, as far as bourbon and drinks and stuff, you generally only drink what I drink because I'm the one who buys the stuff, or you buy it for me and then you drink it. So,
4: <laughs> yeah, my drink of choice is usually potato water. So, oh,
5: that's true. That's true.
4: Yeah, because I have to get my veggies too. So.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting
3: my veggies too. Bourbon's made out of corn, so I Although mean, well,
4: no, that's true, but you know, yeah. there you go. But
3: anybody else have any favorites out there they want to talk about?
4: Uh, uh, I don't
1: know of anything. Nothing, nothing on my end. I've got a really good bartender. She's a uh, a true mixologist, and she comes up with some fantastic drinks. And uh, I don't, I don't, but it's wasted on me. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, bourbon from from uh, Budweiser, you know, not, uh, not really that good. So
4: I see some. I'm of the, the pictures. wrong person to ask. I yeah. see some of the pictures you post of the drinks that she does for like Halloween and stuff like that. They look amazing no, and sound amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, she's
1: fantastic. Well, we'll have to. But that's we'll way beyond to. beyond me. All right.
10: <laughs> so general, next time we go there,
3: we'll have some cocktails then. Yeah, yeah.
10: There you go. Awesome. In general, I think we're in like a micro brew, small brewery, craft brewery golden age.
3: Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Unless this you even, don't like IPAs like me, in which case you're screwed.
10: Well, <laughs> I, 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 not all of them are IPAs. And I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. And we have two little micro brews here uh, Old Forge Brewery, uh, which they do can and ship out, and uh, Rock God Brewery which I believe they're canning too. Um, and I'm actually just amazed. I'll go in there, you know, I don't go, I don't go in very often, but when I go in there, it's, it's always something different. Um, it's always a variety. It's not five IPAs. It's like an IPA, of, you know, wheat beer, a stout, you know, Belgian. I'm, I'm not really, a you know, the deep into the beer thing, but I always find something I enjoy to drink. And it's just, it blows my mind because it's, you know, folks around here they're just they're keeping a business going with it It just and there's two of them now it's just it's it's like a you know golden age
3: right we have several microbreweries here as well too i think the um, eight, eight or so just in this area alone and these are all great it's i mean it's wonderful for the people who have access to them if you happen to live in the region where they're making it but a lot of them can't or don't ship anywhere other than that so you can talk about all these wonderful microbrews that you get but only like me could get them <laughs> because right. they're, they're they you can't get them outside of this area
4: well, and there's some like for instance, mother's Brewing, they have the chocolate thunder, mm-hmm. which is made with locally made chocolate and nitrous, you know, yeah like back, nitro yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you can't even you can buy a glass of it at the brewery, but you cannot get a growler of it to bring home because the nitro because it's a nitro, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he has to kinda like, you know, look pitiful and go, I want a glass. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. We, we have to like run by there so I can run in and grab a glass of it. But
5: and well, it, you just gotta get your own little uh, keg set up and uh tap.
4: Well yeah. Yeah.
3: I don't even
5: I, know if they pour it in kegs. I, I never asked. I them. don't
4: well they, yeah, have, they should have to because you don't need
3: the gas in it then. That's true. <laughs> that's
4: true. And um uh Pat Nally has a case. Oh, that's on true. Tap. They do
3: get it in kegs. So yeah. Yeah. i don't know if they sell to the general public i mean that's another bar so right uh, yeah i don't know if they'd sell me like a pony cake or something of it but right well you
5: know you throw some money in their face they would yeah, they might it consider it that's it,
10: yeah. true they might <laughs> it might depend because some of the stuff is just so such small batches it's like they really don't have any to sell <laughs>
4: well like, no right? and i i think that is kind of the case with this specific one Because the chocolate that they use for it is Askinosi chocolate, which, as I said, is made here locally. And it is a very decadent, dark chocolate, small batch, very small batch chocolate.
3: Well, they're a a source chocolate. It's farm-to-table. They actually go to the third world countries and work with the, the farmers to grow the cocoa beans. And then they harvest them and bring them back here. And then they have their whole operation set up here. So... They do the entire thing from the agriculture right up to actually producing a chocolate bar. So right, and then they use that in this beer, which is really good.
4: Yeah, but so I don't, I don't know that they would have enough because there's one bar that's about two blocks away from their distillery that or brewery, sorry. (laughs) Um, yeah, sorry, stuck on the whiskey thing. Um, (laughs) that that has it, and as far as I know, that is the only bar. In Springfield, it. of you know, nine zillion bars that yeah. ever has it, and when they have it, it is very, very rare. So it's just, and you know, and they have like a hundred beers on tap. I think they have, they have 30,
6: 35 taps.
4: Oh, thirty-five taps. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so. Uh, so yeah,
6: we had it, one of the microbrews uh, local that um, ended up having a bunch of beer that they were like, it's going to go bad, so they called up the local distillery and was like hey do you guys want to distill this like 70 gallons of beer or whatever i'm like sure so i'm looking forward to tasting that one a, <laughs> a, a distilled uh, blonde ale should be uh pretty interesting
3: uh,
4: yeah yeah
3: that so, sounds uh... interesting all right well i think this we will wrap this up. I think we've, we've been going over two hours. So,
4: Wow, we have to cut it short. All right. <laughs> what do you mean you
3: have to cut it short? I think we have to cut it long.
5: Longest show ever.
0: No, no, that's I don't, true. When, I don't no, know
5: if
10: it you, is the longest show ever. But. I was going to say, when you go through and take all the pauses out, it'll go down to like 35 minutes. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> yeah, down yeah. That. He says he's not going to do that, though. Oh, no, so. I'm going to take the pauses out. Oh, you right? are. Yeah, we okay, always do gotcha, that. Gotcha, yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So,
5: yeah, that's called Truncate Silence
4: oh yeah there (laughs) you go one of
3: of audacity's greatest plugins right yeah yeah much easier than editing all the spaces out (laughs) yeah (laughs)
4: that's true so all right
3: very good well i guess with that we're going to go ahead and wrap this up i think it's been a good episode and i hope everybody got a little enjoyment and a little information out of it and is that you cracking a beer bill (laughs) no 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 all right i finished my beer (laughs) 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 or i should say beers bears (laughs)
4: bears. <laughs>
3: All right. So, uh Gene had to step out, so he uh will is not here for the final bit of the show, but maybe we can get everybody to uh to sign off as we wrap this thing up here. So, we'll go I'll go the other way around <laughs> of the way I started and uh have everybody, you know, say goodnight or goodbye or whatever it is they want to say on the way out. So, we'll start
10: with uh Bill and 3JIX. And let me unmute here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh thanks for uh uh doing this this is very neat and uh seven threes everybody and hope everyone has a great holiday season here and uh enjoys themselves as we roll into the new year
3: all right thank you and thank you for being here bill is good to have you uh next up we have steve Katie Zero I ijp
9: all right well thanks everyone for uh the podcast, it's, a, it's an enjoyable podcast. Thanks for producing it, Russ and Cheryl and Bill. Um, hope everybody has a good holiday season and a happy new year. This is Steve, Katie Zero, IJP.
3: All right. and Thank you, Steve, for being here. Um, I know you're uh, always uh, on the Discord and, and chatting with us and everything, so it's, it's good to hear you on the program. And uh, thank you and, and everyone else for being a listener. So
7: we'll move on to Doug, KC9ZMY. Well, the same here. Happy holidays, and hopefully we'll see everyone in the new year. And keep up the good work, guys. We really appreciate all the effort you put into keeping open source and ham on the go. So we'll say good night. 73, KC9ZMY, out.
3: All right. Thank you very much, Don. And we'll move on from Don to Don, K-B-2-Y-S-I. Yeah, it
6: uh, it's always fun. And uh, everyone have a safe holiday and talk to you in the new year. Um, and see everyone else on uh, chat for the rest of the week. All
3: right. Thanks. Well, we'll be around for sure. We just won't be recording.
6: And finally, we
3: have Hutch K 9 kjn
1: Yes, this is K 9 kjn Beautiful downtown Mooresville, Indiana, wishing everyone 73 have a great holiday season. Be safe, be careful, uh, be with uh, friends and family and enjoy each other's company like I've enjoyed this podcast this evening. It's been fantastic. So with that, uh, 73s, this is Hutch over and out.
3: All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here, for tuning in, for listening to the live stream and, and keeping up with Linux in the Hamshack uh, over our many years. And we hope everyone has a fantastic holiday season and they get to spend time with friends and family and do all the things they want to do. We will be back with episode number 266 on the 8th of January. So we're going to take a little time off so we can enjoy ourselves and be with our friends and families as well. And we'll see you all again in the new year. This is Russ, K5TUX.
4: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
5: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreoncom Podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or Hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.